0: We'll be preaching from 1 Peter, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 today. Listen to these words of God that Peter wrote to the church that was scattered and under persecution in Asia. The elders who are among you, I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears,
1: you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus spoke with Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things know that I love you feed my sheep in this
0: way jesus tenderly and firmly restored his disciple peter one who had denied that he even knew jesus christ in the moment of crisis three times peter said i don't even know who you're talking about i'm not a follower of jesus and three times peter addressed or jesus addressed peter asking do you love me and saying feed my lambs tend my sheep feed my sheep and peter takes this restoration And takes this admonition on into his ministry the rest of his life. You can see it here in this letter that he wrote to those persecuted. When he received this direction from Jesus, the great good shepherd, Peter now not only comforts the flock, not only feeds the sheep that was uh, was part of Jesus' instruction but now he also is passing this responsibility on to the next shepherds, to the elders of the church that were among God's people. And this does come in the context of a letter to persecuted Christians. And I pointed out several times how suffering can create something of a tunnel vision. You know how your world and your sight narrows down until you can only see yourself in the midst of that dark circumstance. What Peter does is he comes in and he shines the bright light of the gospel to those who are persecuted. He shines the bright light of your union with Christ, the light of our heavenly reward, the light of the sovereignty of God over all things and of his goodness and so on. We've enjoyed being reminded of all of those things. Well, as Peter is approaching the end of his letter, he shines one more light into this dark tunnel. And it's the light of the church. It's the light of the body of Christ. And more specifically, in, this, in these verses, the light of the under-shepherds, the elders... That Jesus has given to minister to his flock. And Peter's theme of suffering leads us to find our lives wrapped up in Christ. We are united to him in his suffering and in the glory that comes. But it also leads us to find that our lives are also wrapped up in the church of Jesus Christ. In the people that Jesus has redeemed and in the institution that he has set up and to find the helps that he has given to it, especially here, the elders. So in this passage, Peter addresses the elders of the church. It's more than an address. It's an exhortation. He uses that word very directly. These verses, that is the dominant word, exhortation, shepherd the flock, and, uh, and you're going to hear that all throughout the, the message today, shepherd the flock, that's the dominant exhortation that is given here. So Peter's going to have words for those who are shepherded, starting in verse 5 and following, and I'll get to those next week, and today I'm going to address elders Especially address them sometimes very directly. And I'll be preaching to myself as a teaching elder, but we also have ruling elders in our congregation. I'm going to be doing so as well in a way that helps us to pray for God to give us other elders like this and also to invite you in, so to speak. So that you would know what God has provided for you. So you would know the nature of the shepherds that the Lord has given to you. And uh, to help you understand it, the, the phrase that, you would, uh, that I hope that you will take away is that Christ has given elders to shepherd the flock. Follow them as they follow Christ. Follow them as they follow Christ. So that dominant theme, shepherd the flock, is going to be worked out in three ways. We'll begin with the idea, as I speak to the elders, your authority comes from Christ. Your authority comes from Christ. It's no mistake that Jesus and now Peter would use this really powerful image of a shepherd caring for his sheep. It's something that runs throughout all of Scripture. It's one that is well known to the church of of the Old Testament, of the New Testament, of our day as well. The idea that the Lord is my shepherd and that Jesus is the great good shepherd. And it comes through here in Peter's words in verse 2 in that dominant exhortation, shepherd the flock. I'll also draw in his words here in verse 3, do not lord it over the flock, but be an example. And the title that's given in verse 4, that Jesus is our chief shepherd. All of these are involving that great and powerful imagery of scripture that the Lord is our shepherd, that he shepherds us through his tender care. It is also delegated that to the work of under-shepherds. To the work of elders in each congregation. But in saying that, I hope that you already hear that exhortation that your authority comes from Christ. All of this directs our, uh, us to a conclusion that, that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, that He is the Lord, and that He is the head of every Christian that he is the head of the church, both visible and invisible. And all authority in heaven and earth has been granted to him, Matthew 28, and he rules over all things for the church, Ephesians 1. By his love and by his power, he cares for you. He knows his sheep. He calls you by your name. He lays down his life for you, literally laying down his life for you by his death on the cross, John 10. He also watches over us and cares for us through the gathered church. There's a fellowship of believers that's a benefit. There's, a, uh, there is a, there's good that is found when you join together with brothers and sisters under the leadership of Jesus Christ. There is also the benefit that comes through in this passage. That the Lord, the ascended Savior, has given gifts to his church. And one of those gifts is to give elders who will carry on that work of shepherding the flock. I say this to dispel and to confront any false notion that the church belongs to you. It doesn't. It belongs to Christ. And I say this about myself. This is not my church. It's often described that way, and I'm uncomfortable when it's described that way, that this is Bruce Parnell's church. It is not my church. It is Christ's church. And I would say this to dispel and to confront any false notion of the authority that is given to the church. For Christ does indeed give authority. Sometimes that's thought of as a dirty word or as something that is, ought to be shunned. But authority is a biblical concept. But you have to know where your authority comes from. Your authority comes from Christ. He is the good shepherd. He is the great and chief shepherd. And He has granted and delegated authority to elders for the purpose of serving. And I contrast that against worldly leadership. Worldly leadership will grasp after power, will grasp after authority as a way to promote myself, I can find positions of power that can be exerted for my own personal advantage. But the authority that Jesus Christ has and that he gives to his elders is ministerial in nature. and By that I mean he has called elders to serve him, And to serve his church. It is a noble thing to be called to be an elder of Christ's church. But it can go to your head. There are temptations that go along with leadership. And temptations that go along with authority. I exhort you as elders of the church. I exhort you to know that the flock belongs to Jesus. He has purchased it with his blood. He has given you his authority to serve it. Remember that context of suffering? Remember that kind of tunnel vision? Elders aren't immune. Say that to our elders and to the rest of the congregation as well your own suffering or that of the church can cause you to hunker down can cause you to invoke what i call in my own opinion of myself my turtle defense to draw within my shell so as not to be hurt hurt by the suffering around me that is either Suffering that is mine, or the suffering of others that gets poured out on those in leadership. Remember, the church belongs to Christ. Remember that the Lord rules and reigns over all things for the church. and He will equip you to stand fast in this evil day. He will equip you to stand fast and to be a shepherd for the congregation. And to the congregation, recognize those servants that the Lord has raised up. And that the Lord has indeed given authority for your good, for your service. That will be developed as we go on now to the second aspect of this exhortation. Your task involves suffering and glory. Your task involves suffering and glory. This is something Jesus calls every believer to. Take up your cross and follow me. Throughout the first four chapters, we've meditated on that call of the path of the cross. That call that does involve suffering in following after Jesus Christ. A suffering in this world that is followed by the glory of the reward of Jesus Christ when he comes again. And Peter describes his own being an eyewitness to the sufferings of Jesus himself. This, is, this serves a purpose of, of underlying the fact that we are all united to Christ in his sufferings, and we will all be united to him in his glory. Peter says, I too am a participant of this. And I, too, have seen the sufferings of Jesus Christ and will, with joy, participate in his glory. And he says this as well to designate that the Lord had given him and the other apostles a role to play. To communicate what he saw as an eyewitness. To communicate that to the church that would descend from the apostles prophets and their teaching, what they saw and what they heard, the words and the work of Jesus Christ, were then committed to the church that would follow after them, to those who had never seen Jesus in his life, in his suffering, in his death, and his resurrection. And Peter was handing that off handing the baton off to the next shepherds. And they too, in following after Jesus Christ, would follow a path of suffering and glory. For if it's true for every believer, it is doubly true for leaders. And I say this to stand against and to contend against certain false notions about the office of of elder that I have observed in the broader church. I've seen some men pursue the office of elder because they think it's some kind of a cushy job. That it's given out to those men who are advanced in their careers and it's something that they might put on a plaque on their wall as an honor that they've received and that they are then... uh, Enjoying all of the benefits of this honorary position. Don't get me wrong, the Bible says it is an honorable thing to desire the office of elder. It's honorable to serve Christ in this way. But make no mistake, being an elder is hard work. It is hard labor that Christ calls you to. Christ calls every believer to come and to die. And in calling you to tend the flock, Jesus calls elders specifically to follow after him in laying down your lives for the service of Christ and of the sheep that he loves so much.
1: To lay down your lives, even as Christ has laid down his.
0: Practically speaking, this has obligations, it has responsibilities, it has weighty things that go along with it. It implies agonizing over difficult situations. It means. Not shying away from the trouble or the tears of, the, of those that you minister to. It means exposing yourself. As you engage with that trouble, exposing yourself to the weight of the burdens that you take on willingly for the name of Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought of that phrase, bear one another's burdens? That's something that we all do as believers. But the bearing of burdens is is a weighty task. And it does come with tears and with with the troubles uh, engaging and entering into the troubles of those around you. Visiting the sick and dying. Praying with the brokenhearted, protecting those that are oppressed, ministering to those who are caught up in habitual sins, entering into
1: the fray, entering into that trouble. The name of Christ.
0: Peter uses another term here for the office of elder he calls you overseers and uh, uh it's a it's a good term it's rich with with meaning but is sometimes misunderstood today it, it comes across a little bit like uh like a term from Star Wars where the dark forces are the overseers are putting down the rebellion and the rebel forces will have to face the overseers Now, that's not the idea of the term here. Rather, put it back in the idea of a shepherd. It has the idea of of a guardian. What is it that a shepherd does? He's overseeing the flock, watching out for wolves that creep in, watching out for enemies, watching out for those who are sick, And lame and injured and going to minister to them. So when you hear that term overseer, think of a guardian. Think of one who is there to watch over your souls. What Hebrews 13 calls it. To the church, God has given you such shepherds. They are a rich resource to you. They come alongside you in your times of suffering and need to pray with you. You can ask them counsel. You may be weighing a hard decision and wanting help in making that decision. It may be that those habitual sins are raging against you right now. You need someone to help you to stand fast, to be there by your side. These are given to you for that purpose. It is to your advantage to get to know them and to be known by them, to follow them as they follow Christ. What Peter does next is to give three different uh, phrases to describe the way in which elders should, should go about their work. And I've summarized it, do your work as unto the Lord. That implies that there are possible ways that you might be tempted to do your work as not unto the Lord. And so, here are three ways in which you ought to and ought not to go about your work. The first is willingly, not under compulsion. Do your work willingly, not under compulsion. Well, this refers to the attitude that you bring to your work. It might be helpful here for the children to think about it this way. So... Imagine that your mom comes to you and says, please take out the trash. Now, you can do that. You can, uh, uh, can, uh, can go about taking out the trash in a couple of different ways. And I'll put them in two starkly different ways. You could say, okay, mom, I'll do that. And you get up immediately and you go and you take out the trash. Or you could sit there and say, Aw Mom, the trash is stinky. I hate taking out the trash. You rip the bag out of the barrel and some spills on the kitchen floor and you drag it out and throw it in the barrel, slam the lid down, Stomp back to what you were doing. Now, which did their job willingly? Well, the first did, didn't they? And the other did it without any desire, but maybe under some compulsion. For elders, if you approach the work that you do with the wrong perspective and with the wrong expectation, you might drag your feet and complain and there is a need in the congregation. Peter's solution, I think, goes back to that meeting that he had with Jesus on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Not only did Jesus restore him and exhort him, tend uh, shepherd my flock, tend my sheep. But it's in the context of Jesus saying, do you love me? And that attitude flips the script from compulsion to a willing obedience. A willing obedience that says, Jesus has loved
1: me and has delivered me and I love him as well. And out of love for him, I will willingly go where he
0: goes. I will willingly do what he tells me to do. I will willingly love the flock that he loves.
1: It's not a matter of ought, Is a matter of love. Second, serve eagerly, not for dishonest gain. When I was in Geneva College,
0: I met a fellow student who was studying to be a pastor like I was studying. He said, I I want to be a pastor because it's the best job in the world.
1: They pay you more money for doing less. Now, I I think think he was making a
0: joke. I hope he was making a joke. Uh,
1: But it rubbed me the wrong way. And I hope it rubs you the wrong way as well.
0: You can find, unfortunately, you can find lots of examples Of men who become pastors or elders in order to make lots of money. It is a blight on the church to have such men serving as
1: pastors.
0: A blight. It really is. Because they are not serving Christ, they're serving money. It's not wrong to hire a pastor. It's not wrong for a pastor to be paid for his work. Scripture is very clear about that. But if a pastor or an elder takes that position because of the perks, because of the money, then their motive becomes self-serving, becomes to serve for money. Thankfully, in, uh, in our congregation, you have blessed me and my family with a livable income, and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm grateful for ruling elders who serve not for money. Uh, in case you don't know, our elders don't make a penny. They are not hired. Don't make money for the work that they do for the church. There are other compensations that you could lump under this. You could uh, An elder could go about the work for dishonest gain of, of other things: prestige, reputation, power, other things like that. Go about your work eagerly, not for the love of money. And thirdly, don't lord it over the flock. Rather, lead by example. I've already said quite a bit about the authority of an elder. Let me just briefly say that Peter contrasts here an overbearing leadership with a leadership that is, is humble, a lording it over with humility that leads by example. Now, that doesn't mean that an elder should never teach. Or that an elder should never exercise authority or discipline. God has given authority to you to do that. Elders should do that. But that exercise or that leadership should come out of your own love and devotion to God. In other words, for the congregation, you should be able to follow them as they follow Christ. That's that uh, that theme that I'm... Uh, am, giving to you in that broader sense, addressing elders about how to lead and to do so uh, looking to Christ, to do your work as unto the Lord. And to the rest of the congregation, I'm saying, remember those who rule over you. This is from Hebrews 13. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Means it is good for you to know your elders and to be known by them. Don't push them away, rather, draw them in to your lives. Elders, be about that work to be knowing the sheep and known by them willingly, eagerly, and as an example. Peter closes this by speaking of a reward that is yours for your work. Your reward is in heaven. This seems to stand over against those wrong motivations that might tempt elders. All through uh, these, uh, the, the compulsion, dishonest gain, and lording it over, it seems to be motivated for selfish ends. There's some reward in this life that you can gain if you were to exercise your power in a wrong way. And those, uh, those uh, you could put all and lump it all into one basket of selfishness, the basket of being self-seeking, of being self-important, of uh, seeking power for selfish purposes, to gain money or prestige, position in, li- in life for your own self-ease but your reward is in heaven. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. It is true that hardly anyone will ever know the hours that you keep as an elder. Hardly everyone will know the tears that you have shed or will shed.
1: They may not know the prayers that you have lifted up on their behalf, Jesus does and he is the one you are serving not yourself
0: as you take up the cross of Christ as an elder remind yourself daily that you do so for his glory
1: for his kingdom and for his sheep and as that path of the
0: cross leads you through suffering Remember that it also leads you to
1: glory. You said there's a crown of glory that awaits you. Earlier, Peter said in his letter in chapter 2,
0: and this addresses all of us, for you are like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. By his stripes you are healed. With these words, I'll close this message by saying, Rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ, the chief shepherd, knows you, that he calls you by name, that he laid down his life for you, that he has set you in a church with elders who will shepherd you, This is one of the ways that he perfects, establishes, strengthens, and settles you. I hope you recognize those words from the benediction that I've been using as I preach through 1 Peter. It says, Now may the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. So how does he do that? Well, one of the ways he does that is by setting you in a congregation, setting you in a church that loves you and cares for you, by giving you elders that will shepherd the flock, shepherd you individually. Let's pray that the Lord will bless us in this way. He would bless our elders, bless us with more elders, (laughs) that he himself would shepherd us through, the, through their hands. Amen. Let's pray. Well, God, we do thank you for the work of Christ on our behalf, the great good ch- shepherd who, by the blood of the everlasting covenant, has made us clean in your sight. And, oh Lord, we thank you that our chief shepherd has also given us under-shepherds watch over our souls. May we be attentive to their lives, watching them as an example. May we pay heed to their instruction and to their discipline, for they do indeed watch out for our souls. And if we plugged our ears to that, it would not be profitable for us. It would go hard for us. And said, O Lord, I pray that As they use their gifts, as they follow after you, we
1: may follow after them as they follow Christ. In his name we pray.